hear that we have hugs today, is that right? Hugs is for the, like, kindergarten through second grade or something like that. We need to kind of read that acronym out. Is that right? Am I three-year-olds to kindergarten? Three-year-olds to kindergarten. The acronym is Happy... What? Oh, help us grow strong. (laughs) I was going to make up something, but I couldn't come up with something creative there. Help us grow strong. You know, sometimes we say, well, we don't have hugs. And then it's like people who don't know anything about us, like we can't hug each other? What's going on? So I think we need to help us grow strong. All right, that's for our little ones. Also, I noticed in the bulletin that I don't think our marriage retreat is uh, announced there and probably because everyone who signed up has already signed up but just as a reminder if you're like me I had already forgotten is this coming Friday so this coming Friday if you signed up if you're one of the 50 or 60 who have signed up don't forget that what Next. two weeks, two weeks? <laughs> six weeks what's the date All right, you're all dismissed. (laughs) In two weeks. I asked Greg if he's going to help me in a little while, and I said, I won't embarrass you. I've already embarrassed myself, so (laughs) I'm glad I don't embarrass too easily. All right, in two weeks, you know, be ready for that. Otherwise, I'm going to be here alone with you. Last week as I was walking out, I was talking to Willie and Jill Howell, and they asked me how I was doing. And, you know, a lot of times we say, how are you? Fine, thank you, and, you know, that's about it. But them and several others in the last uh, few weeks have, have asked in a genuine way how I'm doing. And to, I wanted to, you know, let you know honestly that... Um, and, and it's kind of an apology in a way, uh, too. Um, I, you know, dealing with my dad's death, things going on there, and also getting the flu uh, Christmas Eve, and man, it wiped me out. Uh, I have felt the last, really this year, uh, in my lessons, I felt have lacked energy. I felt like I haven't communicated well, and if I have, I know I've had some people come and say some really good things to me, but I realize, I, I mean, I feel blah. I feel yuck, I feel a little down, and so, um, and I think that has to do with emotional and physical things going on. And so if you have been thinking, man, the last three sermons have been strikeouts, you know, you can't hit a home run every time, all right? And I have just, uh, I've just been that way, if, if you've noticed that, it, that is true. And so last week I said, you know, I need to put into practice what I've been preaching on faith, and putting these things into action. And so I prayed right at the beginning of the week, you know, Lord, um, you know, I need to get myself out of this, these doldrums. I need to not uh, bask in my despondency or whatever, whatever I'm in. You know, I, I don't know how to describe feelings. How are you feeling? I don't know. I, I don't know how, I don't know how, what a feeling is. And I mean, I do, but I don't. Um, so it's like, 
like I fell off a ladder once and I was on the, on the concrete floor and I'm like, okay, I'm thankful I didn't kill myself because I could have. I moved a little bit and said, okay, no broken bones. And so I walked to the uh, couch. I was home alone, didn't have my phone with me even. And my phone was on the couch and I sat down and Elliot Tyler called me. He said, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I thought, should I tell him that I'm probably going to drive myself to the emergency room after this? And, uh, but I thought, well, I'd just worry him. So I don't know how to describe feelings. I didn't drive myself, don't worry. I, got, I stood up to drive myself and I got dizzy and I thought, mm, I better not do that. I might kill someone. So anyway, I'm, I'm just saying I don't know how to explain my feelings, but I do realize that sometimes you're just kind of down. And if I've come across that way, I apologize. I've prayed that I will put into practice my faith and begin to um, get out of those doldrums. <clears throat> We've been looking at faith, examine your faith. This is part three, where the Bible tells us examine our faith. This is important as Christians to look at this concept of faith. It's one of the most important words in the scriptures. And we looked at last week, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, this list of people who responded to God. It said, by faith, over and over, by faith, and what that means. Some people call this, this chapter 11, uh, faith's hall of fame. And the stories that we tell, the people that we read about there, uh, we emphasize their strength. I mean, usually in our Bible classes, when we talk about Noah and Moses and Joshua, we talk about the good things they did and their strengths. And we make them almost superheroes. They're commended for their faith. But as we pointed out, and didn't really go in depth, but as we pointed out, these people were like you and me. They struggled just like you and I do with sin. In this list, you have people, if you read the scriptures, who were drunkards, liars, men who failed their families. You have some in this list who really made a mess of their lives. Complainers, prostitutes, fearful. You had a playboy. I mentioned him last week. You had some whose mouths spoke quicker than their brains. Just read the stories. I mentioned Jephthah who said, I'll sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house. What is he thinking? Adulterers, murderers, and more. And when we look at that list and compare our own lives, when we think of our own lives, we we see ourselves there. We see ourselves not as a superhero, but as the strugglers of faith. Add to that the down and out, the despondent, those filled with doubt, those filled with fear, struggling with fear. I came across a passage, I'm reading through Isaiah, and it's, you know, it's kind of a difficult book sometimes to read, but reading through Isaiah, and Isaiah 50 verse 10 says this, who among you fear the Lord and obey the words of his servants? In other words, he's saying, who out here, I'm talking to those who are, we, we would translate this, Christians, people who are following the Lord. And then he has this really interesting uh, section where he says, let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Let let those of you who are struggling with your depression, walking in the dark, with anxiety, with just being down and out, that's darkness. 
Let those who are struggling with their feelings, if you can get in touch with them, let those who struggle that way, who have no light, trust in the name, the character of God. That's what the name of the Lord means. The character of God and rely on him. And then the, the next couple of verses were kind of confusing, but as I thought about them, I think I know what they're saying. He says, but now all of you who light fires and provide for yourself flaming, with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. And I think what he's saying there symbolically is those who have their own light, those who have their own wisdom, those who have their own thoughts about how things should be. Yeah, go ahead, live that way. Live according to your own wisdom, he says. And this is what you'll receive from my hand. You'll lie down in torment. He's saying, look, the way you want to walk is walk in the light of God, not your own personal light. And so this is what faith is, is learning how to walk and trust in the name of the Lord. This is not an excuse to sin, but it's to admit sin and to admit that sinful people like you and I can have great faith. And the reason is that faith's Focus isn't on me being sinless, but it's on God's faithfulness. That's where the focus is. 2 Timothy 2.13, right in the middle of a section here, which we won't break down, but he says, if we are faithless, and I should, could say when we are faithless, he will remain faithful. When I struggle with my faith and my faithlessness, I can be assured that God is going to remain faithful to his promises. And so obtaining salvation through faith, we sinners can live by faith. And we must live by faith in who God is and what he has done and what he has promised. That's where our faith lies. So we're going to continue looking at this faith living. What, what does this mean? What, what do we do when we find ourselves faithless? You know, if we're really honest, there are times in our lives that, that we do not act in God-like faith. Well, we struggle with our faith and we act faithless. And normally we either, we beat ourselves up, we go into some kind of spiritual downward spiral, and we struggle with our feelings. And, and Paul called it, I mentioned this last week in 1 Timothy 1.19, a shipwrecked faith. We can go to the point that our faith is shipwrecked. And so I want to call all of us, all of you who are spiritually depressed, to focus on who you put your faith in. That's where the focus is, and not in the failure of your actions. We're going to spend the rest of this lesson on actions, and I don't want you to think that we're focusing on actions. We're focusing on God and what he's done for us, and the result is actions. Faith living calls for actions, but if we focus on our actions, we're, I think there's two extremes that we come to. We either, we're either going to be like Pharisees, and we're going to think we're doing really well. If we really work hard, and we have a schedule of Bible reading, and we have a schedule of whatever we think we need to be doing, and we do it, it's really easy for us to look at ourselves and say, you know, I'm doing really well spiritually. You know, nothing's really going wrong. Everything's great. You know, I fast twice a week, and, you know, I give a tenth of what I have to the church, and I'm glad I'm not like that sinner over there. 
Yeah, if you haven't, haven't recognized the story yet, it's one of the stories that Jesus told about the Pharisees. It's easy to do that when we focus on, our, on what we're doing, or we go to the other extreme and we just, we just take a, we dive bomb our lives into the ground. We're just, oh, poor, poor me, I'm terrible, things are going wrong. I either think I'm a super-duper Christian or I'm a terrible person. And so when we focus on our actions, that's what happens. But when our actions are an outgrowth of, God's, uh, of a response to God's grace, then that is a part of our faith. Let's look at some things. Faith living does call for action. And we'll see it in different ways. If you'll look over in, in Hebrews, we're going to look at, be mainly in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. The end of my Bible is falling apart, so I've got to be careful turning over there. Hebrews chapter 11, and in verse 8, he talks about faith living. What does faith living look like? Number one, it's obedient living. Verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Now, I read through the chapter, and I might have read too quickly, but that's the only place I find in Hebrews chapter 11 that he says uses the word obeyed but it's characteristic of every single person in there Noah built an ark well he obeyed God God told him to do it and he built the ark and and so on we as you read through these different this diff, different list and so the question comes what is God calling me to do what is God calling you to do when you respond in faith like those who are recorded here in Hebrews 11 you are a hero of faith. When you respond in faith, they can put your name in here. By faith, put your name, what did you do? Look how the, again, who these people were. Weak men and women. And they're remembered for acting on their faith. Their obedience made them a hero of faith. And it's not just in the big things. Oh, we like to think, you know, if God called me to, you know, walk through the Red Sea, yeah, I'd do that. Or some big thing. But these people were just normal, everyday folks like you and me. And many of the things there, as I mentioned last week, they're, they're by faith, Isaac and, and uh, Joseph blessed. All they did was bless. Of all the things that could be pointed out in Joseph's life, the things that he did. He's noted here as blessing his grandchildren. That's it. What is God convicting you of in obedient living? Is he calling you to do something in your workplace? Maybe it's be honest. Or how you're working with someone. Calling you to clean up your language. Maybe it's something as small as that. He could be calling you to love your wife. He, well, I could say... If you have a wife, he is, because the scriptures say, love your wife. <laughs> he is calling you. Maybe he's saying, put that into practice or submit to your husband. Or we say, well, you don't know how hard it is, how difficult she makes it for me to love her. Well, sorry, the Bible says love her anyway. You don't know how hard it is to submit to this kind of man. Well, that may be true. But what is God calling you to do? Is he calling us to share our faith with our, with our neighbor, to right or wrong? I don't know. Everyone is different. Just like this list here, 
Every person is different. By faith, they did something different. And so God is calling 300 and something people here to do something different in each person's life. Faith living is other world focus. Hebrews 11, verse 13 through 16, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they, had, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That last verse made me think a lot. It's a whole sermon, so I'm not going to even go there. But he says, this is how people, faith people live. They don't look at this world as a permanent place. Don't plant yourself in the American way of life. And I love America. I've lived, I've literally traveled, I don't know how many countries, but around the world a couple of times. I've been in a lot of different countries. There's good and there's bad in different countries. But we have something very special and unique in America that a lot of people don't appreciate. But it's not your permanent home. All right? That's important. You can love America. You can be glad you're here. You can rejoice in your American citizenship. That's fine. But it's not your home. You need to think otherworldly. We have a better home. We have something far better than America where we're going. And so faith living means I, I look at, at the, the things of this earth, the, the value of the things I have, the material things, in an eternal perspective. How can I use these things for God and not for myself? How can I use it to share and be generous instead of being selfish? That's faith living. Faith living also means that sometimes things will go well with you. Verse 35. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about. Well, that's verse 32. We'll skip on down to 33. Who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Wonderful things happen. Sometimes by faith, good things happen. And, and there's, a, there's a, a group of people, I don't know how to, to, uh, to uh, label them, but there's a group of Christians who feel guilty when good things happen to them. I've worked with these people. They just feel bad that good things are happening. I should be suffering. I need to be a martyr. I don't know. They're just walking around the Eeyore complex, I guess. You know, that. oh, I just, you know. Bad. No, it's okay when God blesses you. Be thankful for it. Be pleased with it. Rejoice in it. When, the, when your dead are given back to you, rejoice in it. Be re, rejoice when you conquer a kingdom. I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, on these things. But you can rejoice in those things. It's okay. It's okay when God blesses you. Faith living means sometimes things go really well and you can thank God for that. But faith living means sometimes things don't go well. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that, it might, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings while still others were chained and put in prison. 
They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. This is, sometimes things don't go well. And there's another group of Christians who, they become Christians expecting things to get better. And yeah, maybe they will. But sometimes they don't. I thought when I became a Christian that my financial problems would go away, whatever. That my marriage would improve when I became a Christian. That, and sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't. And that's part of faith living. Here, here's the key. When we're living in faith like this, we need to remember where our focus is, good times and bad times. We need to be filing for chapter 11 type of life. This is a chapter that shows us how to be heroes of faith. The focus is on Jesus. That's the whole point of Hebrews. A faith so grounded in the evidence that no matter what goes on in our lives, we know how to live. We're going to be obedient. We're going to focus on other world. It doesn't matter if things go well or not. Our focus is on Christ. And when we do that, that faith will change your life. It's going to give you confidence. It's going to give you a foundation. When you look at sin and you believe through the scripture that it's terrible, my, my faith is going to move me to avoid those situations that's going to put me in temptation. If I believe my life is temporary, then I'm, my faith is going to be shown it. By my alien type of life. If I believe God supplies all my needs, I'm not going to be walking around with a worrisome expression, wondering where my next meal is going to come from. If God has said he's going to do that. And you will do as well as your faith lets you. Your faith will be as strong as the source of your faith. If your faith is in yourself, you're going to be as strong as yourself. If your faith is in God, your faith is going to be as strong as God. That's where the faith is. And God's faith is always shown in action. I asked Greg if he would trust me today. Greg Cornelius, will you trust me? I'll give you another chance. I'll give you a chance to say no. All right, come on up. I'm going to get Greg to help me with an experiment. It's going to illustrate faith. And I'm, I'm going to promise you that I'm going to do my best not to embarrass either one of us, even though... I started out this morning by embarrassing myself. All right. So just do what I tell you to do. Okay. All right. <laughs> Trust me. Water, cup. I'm just pour a little bit in so we won't get too wet. And hold your hand out like this and just hold that cup in front of you. And I'll do the same with this. I really hope this works. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do the same. Let's kind of face the group. Face that way. Yeah. All right, now, what we're going to do, I'm going to promise you that neither you nor I am going to get wet. All right. If we do, next week's lesson is going to be on forgiveness. We're going to see how trust goes today. All right, now I'm going to demonstrate what I want you to do. I want you to just take the cup like this. And then I want you to just turn, uh, kind of close your eyes, be careful, and just make a circle 
All right, and just leave it there. Like That's that. all you do. Like yeah, just do that. Close your eyes. Gotta let go of the <laughs> all right, now, you can kind of turn to me a little bit. Do you trust me? You can open your eyes. And I chose him because he, like me, has no hair. All right. On three, we're going to tip the cup over our heads. Okay. You do trust me. <laughs> they haven't, okay, here we go. One, two, three. Oh, I got more water out of me than you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Here's my point. Here's my point, that silly illustration. If you want to know how I did it, I'll show it, tell you later. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Some, but yeah, I don't say it publicly because some people go, oh, that was wonderful. I don't want to know your secret. But if you do, I'll let you know the secret of how he didn't get any water on his head. Doing. All right. And my whole point was, do you trust me? Then you got to do something. All right. You can't just sit there and say, oh, I'm not going to do anything. That's James. If you turn over to James... This is the application of his letter is like, hey, we've got to do something. Practical ways of putting our faith into practice. And again, what I want us to remember is our focus isn't on what we're doing. Our focus is on Christ, but there is doing that's involved. You've got to do. All right? There's some things you have to do. If we look at Hebrews, these scriptures here, and we're fast running out of time, but verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. All right, listen to it, but then do it. Uh, verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, his religion is worthless. And then he goes on the next verse to say, and this is what you do. All right, this, these are some things that you do. Uh, 2.17, uh, he says, uh, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. All right, faith by itself, you've got to do something for this live faith. 3.13, he says, you need to under, not, you understand the word. It's not just understanding. You do it. 4.17, do what is right. Put it into practice. All right, so it's really clear throughout James. He's saying, you got to do something. You just can't sit there and just say faith. He says, in other words, just don't sit there. Do something. And so this is where our emphasis is going to be, but not our focus, right? Our focus is on God because that's where our source comes from. But we do have to do something. He hits us where it's really hard. It's, it's easy to sit in the pew and say amen. amen. <laughs> it really is. And it's easy to understand the scripture and study it and love studying the scripture. And I, uh, this is where I relate. I love digging into the words and the meaning of words and dig into the scriptures and see what it says. But he calls us to do what is right. And to put it into practice. And sometimes that's difficult to do. Here's the fact. Faith, he says, without works is dead. It's the nature of faith. It's going to die if it's not doing something. Julie and I both struggled with the flu. She, was, she didn't get out of the house basically for about three weeks. In other words, she didn't drive our 21-year-old car for about three weeks. We're talking about how wonderful our little car is. So the first day she gets to, she decides that she feels well enough to go somewhere. She comes in and says, the car's not working. I knew what was wrong. She hadn't started. We hadn't started in three weeks. The battery was dead. 
And so I had to jump it, and, and I said, you're going to be fine now. Once, once a battery is being used, it'll recharge. It'll be recharged as you're driving, and it's going to be fine. And it's been fine ever since then. And we're like that. We're like a, a car battery. A life faith has to be expressing itself. It has to be doing something. It has to burst out in action, or it's dead. That's what James is saying. He just kind of lays it out there. If no action is going on, your faith is dead. And the effort isn't in the faith. The effort is in focusing on who God is. And then this faith is a response to who God is and what he's done in our lives. Seven times in James, he, he ties faith and works together. 2.14, let's see here. He says, um, what good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can faith save him? Uh, verse 17 and 18, he says, um, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by what I do. All right, so he's telling you, you've got to tie these together. We won't read the other ones, but you can read through all that chapter. He's tying faith and deeds to, together. He says, faith results in action. And so he gives two illustrations in, in chapter 2. And the first illustration is, he, is let's, let's go ahead and read this. First uh, 19, we were all, I'd almost read it a second ago. He says, you believe there's one God? Good. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that's faith, is believing in God. Even the demons believe that and shudder. All right, so he's saying this kind of faith is, is not good enough just by itself. He says the percentage, in fact, I would say the percentage of demons who believe is greater than the percentage of people who believe. I think every demon believes, <laughs> and not every person believes. And he says, but he says, but without the right kind of works, demons don't have that right kind of works. Uh, if you don't attach uh, actions to it, your belief is just empty. In fact, the next verse, in verse 20, he says... You foolish man, do you want evidence? And that word foolish man means empty-headed. You empty-headed person. You, it, it's of no value. This um, uh, amounts to zero. If you think that you can have faith without actions, that's a, uh, it's an invalid, worthless statement. It's empty-headed. You're not thinking is what he's saying. And so he says, the first thing you've got to realize, faith isn't enough. All right, that's the first illustration. The second illustration is in verses 23 through 25. And he takes two people here whose lives are poles apart. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did and offered his son on the, Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You see that a, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And then he says, in the same way, even not, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off to a different, in a different direction. So he takes two people who are poles apart. And let's look at some of the difference. We have a man and a woman. We have Abraham responding through love. And yet we have Rahab, if you read the story, responding through fear over in Joshua chapter 2 or so. 
Abraham was a patriarch. He was one of these great men uh, uh, that began, uh, that God chose. Rahab was a pagan. Abraham, a noble Jew, wealthy Jew. Uh, Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham, rich, respected. Rahab, a prostitute, a nobody. And so why did he choose these two characters from the scriptures and say, now look, both of them responded by faith. Both of these people were, were faithful people. And I think the reason is this is because every one of us is somewhere between those two. We're either like Abraham or less, or we'd say, no, nah, I'm not quite as good as Abraham. Or we're like Rahab. No one here can say, I'm worse than Rahab. I mean, you, if you're a prostitute, you're on that list. Whatever, you know, you see what I'm saying? No matter which direction we go, he takes two extremes and he says, now everyone can be justified by their faith just like these two people. Abraham was justified and his faith worked. Rahab did the same thing. They met on common ground. They didn't sit around and do nothing. They both did something. Whatever their circumstance called for, that's what they did. You know what, Rahab, and you can argue this forever. It's one of those uh, you know, nice theological arguments. Is it okay to lie? Rahab lied. Hmm, was she commended because she lied? Oh, yeah. Maybe so. Well, you can have a big argument about, you know, is it right to lie in this circumstance or that circumstance? I'm not going to get into that. But here's what I know. I have an opinion, but I'm not going to share it here. She confessed her faith. Joshua 2, verse 11. She says, but we know who your God is. And we know that he, what, what he's done. And because of that, that's why I did what I did. So what, what I'm saying is God is calling all of us to respond in faith in your circumstance, whatever that is. I can't give you a particular, you need to be doing this. You need to look at yourself, your life, your circumstance, and say, what do I need to be doing at this time in my life? The question is this, what kind of faith do you have today? Am I manifesting that in what I'm doing? Do I really believe who God is and what he has done for me. Am I responding to that? Do I believe that Jesus is Lord? Yes. Then who controls my life? That's the real question. You call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do the things I ask. What is God asking you to do today? You have weak faith? Here's my suggestion. If you have weak faith... Turn your focus into the Lord. And this is what I've been doing that's helped me. Is I've turned to the scriptures and I've tried to read the scriptures for me. And see what the scriptures are telling me to do. And it's not like a big, you know, I, I, you know, I don't get a, a light or thunder or lightning. Usually it's something very quiet and very convicting. Like Isaiah 50 verse 10. You've been walking around like you're down and out. Where's your focus? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the name of the Lord. Get directions for your life, and then here's the key. And then do it. You gotta do it. 
If you're not, if your faith has brought you to a point where you're saying, I need to come into a relationship with God, you just need to do it. If you know what you need to do, you just need to respond. And that's why we have an invitation song every week. We give you an opportunity to respond. If you need to respond in a way that you want to talk to the elders and get prayers for something, that's fine. But then there's something that God is calling you to do. And as I've said many times, a lot of times we don't need to be going forward. We need to be going backwards or across the aisle and working with one another and putting those things into practice. Whatever it is, respond in faith today. Respond in faith this week and just do it. If we can help anyone, our elders will be here as we stand and as we sing.